0: Stuart Holman here with you again. Welcome to a new week of daily devotionals in the Growing Disciples program, which in the month of August is focusing in on the ministry of Jesus. Now, this has been kind of a, a big picture of approach throughout the, uh, the month of August, but told through the details of the early part of Jesus' ministry. Already we've looked at Jesus' birth narratives, uh, then at his mission, declared in his own words, And then at his signs, the signs which declared that the kingdom of God was indeed arriving. This week we're diving back into the Gospel of Luke and we're diving in at the turning point of Jesus' public ministry. Now turning points always matter in every movie and every narrative we've ever read but I think none more so than in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke. John's Gospel, of course, has a very different structure, which we hinted at last week. But these other three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, share a a very similar structure, which sounds like this. The Synoptics uh, have the first part of Jesus' public ministry focused around Galilee. There are various journeys to other different places, but the majority of his early ministry is summed up in the announcement of the arrival of the Kingdom of God. And then he heads for Jerusalem, which is, of course, where the climax is. Uh, So we might remember back to Luke chapter 4. Jesus was not really about cultivating popularity in a particular town or location. Uh, Rather, um, he was all about getting about, getting around. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. So Jesus' priority in the first part of his ministry was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom all about in the northern regions of of Israel. This proclamation was was always paired with with miracles and signs, a, a practical demonstration and I guess a verification of the arrival of the kingdom of God. God really was beginning to rule the lives of men and women in a new way. It was as though the new creation was breaking in ahead of time. All the evidence of the fall seemed to be in the process of being reversed. Blindness and sickness of all kinds were healed. Death itself was even reversed in a few cases. Spiritual imprisonment was turned to to liberty as demons and evil spirits were expelled and and wholeness restored to all kinds of people. If Satan was a strong man in control of human lives, he was clearly being tied up and captives within his house were being plundered, set free. And because the kingdom of God was now on the march in this new way, the appropriate thing to do was to repent since God was so clearly now present and somehow arriving among his people, as the Old Testament prophets had said, it was time to turn back from sin and back to God in repentance. John's preaching and his baptizing announced this, but Jesus' ministry and his message took took that call to repentance much, much further. It was more urgent now because it was more apparent, more obvious that God, was now at work again among his people. So Jesus signs and his miracles were integral to his message in the first phase of his ministry, even as he moved from town to town to town. Uh, Luke's gospel actually describes the day-by-day experience of Jesus and, and his, his community in this way. Uh, after this, Jesus travelled one, from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So notice uh, as Jesus travels about in this early stage of his ministry, notice the importance of the women who were with him. Uh, Some were women with a story, Mary from Magdala, who had demons expelled from her, and some were women of high social standing, perhaps wealthy women, such as Johanna and Susanna. Their role, well, it seems to have been that of financial and practical support for Jesus and his closest followers. In addition, I think, to their own discipleship and learning, they were clearly women of substance and courage held in esteem among the Jesus community. And so the life and ministry of Jesus is characterised as a kind of caravan of people moving from town to town around the northern parts of old Israel, around all the areas, all the highways and byways, all of the traditional tribal areas of Israel and whoever lives there now hearing the message that the kingdom of God is arriving. In response to this message, Jesus calls people to repent of their sins, to turn to God and follow him, as we've said. And so as this ministry in Galilee among both Jews and Gentiles is building to a climax, Jesus turns his attention now to the band of followers who are gathered around him. In Luke chapter 9, as this turning point begins to take place, we read this encounter. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them, he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they see the kingdom of God. There's so much could be said about this passage, and today I'm going to leave most of it unsaid. But please take some time to reflect on it further yourself today. I'd like to draw our attention to just this one thing. The confession that Jesus is God's Messiah leads inexorably to the call to deny self, take up our cross daily and to follow Jesus as his disciple. If we conclude that Jesus really is who he claims to be, if we observe in his preaching and his ministry that God really is at work installing Jesus as king of his kingdom on earth, uh, if, if the rule of God is expressed in Jesus, if we think he's the Messiah, then we must follow. In Jesus' words, this is an imperative. It's a must with, as we shall see later, there are no ifs or buts or wait until. When Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus immediately calls for discipleship. Now, what does that involve? It involves self-denial. My agenda, my needs and my wants are overtaken by the importance of being Jesus' disciple. This self-denial results in something Jesus calls taking up our cross daily. When we hear that expression, we tend to kind of domesticate it. In our world, taking up our cross means something like bearing the burdens and hardship of life in an uncomplaining way. Just get on with life, press on through the hard bits, carry your burdens and push on through but it doesn't at all sum up what Jesus' first disciples heard. The only people who took up their cross in Jesus' day were prisoners condemned to execution. They were forced by the Romans to carry the crossbeam of their crucifixion to the place where they would be impaled on it and hung up until they died. To be carrying a cross meant that you were a dead man walking. Your life was as good as over. So when Jesus calls his disciples to deny themselves, he means that our lives lived on our terms, for our goals, for our plans and happiness and satisfaction, those lives are as good as over. That's why Jesus talks about losing life. But, and this bit cannot be separated from all that we've just heard, but in losing that old life, we gain the kingdom of God, belonging with Jesus in the glory of God and with all his holy angels. Indeed, even now in this life, we experience something of the real kingdom. We, we see it arriving in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we experience its transforming power in the presence, person and power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus owns his disciples in the presence of God the Father and is delighted to commend them before him. But for now, that means following. It means following a Messiah rejected by the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law, a Messiah who must be killed, that's an imperative, and on the third day be raised to life.